0: Welcome in, one and all, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as I always am, by Travis Reyer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays 11 to noon central time the talking tide podcast available to you all over the place starting with our web host at podbean.com and also various apps including itunes google play stitcher and tune in the talking tide twitter feed talking underscore tide keep up with the pod drops there and we certainly want to thank right out of the gate our fine sponsor southern alehouse heat pizza bar north river dental associates more on them a little bit later in the program, but Travis, uh, we'll jump right in with this pod. And I got to tell you when I scheduled this pod with you, uh, maybe 48 hours ago, Travis, which of course the way the news cycle is flying, that's like a month. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I figured we could, you know, jump into Alabama, picking up Kentucky and Missouri. I you know, John Petty coming back to Alabama and we'll get to those things here tonight. Uh, But the Big Ten Conference. Uh, before they're talking about shutting things down all the way, Travis, and and it sounds like there's some hemming and hawing there, and and you know it's not a full on it's over report, but it's that's the way the Big Ten presidents want to go report, and uh, boy, you talk about flipping things upside down if that were come to pass.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? If the Big Ten wants to step on out there like they have on just about everything else throughout this process, Chase, let them step on out there. You know, you see the report from Ross Dellinger of SI. Ross does an outstanding job. He's Look, he's had his finger on the pulse of this, probably to his own detriment. He's now catching scrapnel because he's reporting what he's hearing, and people are taking that as Ross's anti-college football, when that, in fact, is his livelihood. That's another topic for another day. But according to Ross Dellin, uh, Dellinger, uh, there has been talk that, you know, now the Big Ten Chase, after sort of grandstanding and showboating throughout this process, now apparently the Big Ten wants the other Power Fives, the other four Power Fives, to sort of join hands in this show, show of unity and all jump into the, uh, the lake of fire so to speak. You know what? Screw the Big Ten, Chase. If the Big Ten wants to, again, if the Big Ten wants to go ahead and walk the plank, walk the plank, big boy. You've shown us the way the rest of this process. Do it again. Go ahead. Jump in there. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the Big Ten. That's not my opinion on whether or not college football should be played in the coming months or not. That's just my opinion on the Big Ten to Not to throw gas
0: on the fire. But, dot, 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 <laughs> kicking this right back to, your, to you, uh, we saw, of course, and not at all unexpectedly, uh, immediately after the Big Ten Conference canceled non-conference play, Pac-12 came behind him in less than 24 hours with the same move, all, uh, and the Pac-12 yeah. is the league that you would think, philosophically speaking, would want to be out in front on all this, Uh If the Big Ten shuts it down, the Pac-10 comes right behind them and shuts it down sequentially almost as quickly, I think, as as what we saw with non-conference cancellations.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 showed you. The Pac-12 is essentially the runt in the litter of the Big Ten based on what we saw initially in all this. And again, if it turns out, that we don't have college football in the next couple of three months, then we don't have college football. I'm speaking more to sort of how this has unfolded and how, again, the Big Ten has tried to position itself as sort of the moral high horse in collegiate athletics, certainly at the Power Five level. And the Pac-12 has sort of followed suit. That's fine. Let them do what they want. And it may eventually turn out that the SEC decides, you know what? We can't do it either. But – I haven't been the biggest fan of Greg Sankey to this point of his tenure as SEC commissioner, but I do like that the SEC hasn't been quick to jump on that bandwagon. And really, it's not even the Big Ten at the end of the day. I mean, Chase, do you get the sense that ultimately Ohio State and what Gene Smith and what the people in Columbus want dictates really the rest of the league at this point? That's the feeling I get. Now, I understand you've got presidents and chancellors around the league that apparently, at this point, are a no-go on football in the fall. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, again, it's just sort of the path that we've gotten to this point and how initially, apparently, there was talk that they were going to work together. And apparently, Power Five commissioners are on calls all the time. And the Big Ten is still done whatever the hell the Big Ten wants. So, again, I tell you, let the Big Ten go ahead and walk that plank and take the initial blowback and everything with it. And they've done it with a with new it.
0: commissioner, Travis, Kevin Warren. I mean, it. it, it you would yeah. maybe, I don't know, the, the natural course of things, seniority being what it is, you would think that a, a, a new commissioner in the Power Five would uh, take cues and, you know, um, follow the path, but Kevin Warren's trying to blaze the path pretty much.
1: It's all, all of this is just uh, like you said, to start the podcast, it's daily doses of surreality. And I'm not criticizing that it's eventually going to come to a close. I'm not either, but it's what we've got. I mean, did you see on Sunday, you've got now a parents association within the Ohio state program, issuing statements about they want the season to be played. I mean, could you imagine Nick Saban getting that memo coming across his desk that, look, coach, the Alabama football team is actually now have a parents association. How about Nick's response to a parents association (laughs) within his – within his within his roster. How about that, Chase? I mean, it just gets crazier and crazier with every uh, How about 10 the hazard pay so. for the AAC? Hazard pay. <laughs> oh, jeez. <sighs> look, you know, we don't have enough time to go all the different directions with this thing that it's the 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 rabbit holes that it's sort of produced and where we've gone in all of this with you know, the unified fronts from multiple conferences. I'm still surprised we haven't seen something formal from the SEC to this point. Um, but, and, I, and I'm and i fine with name, image, and likeness. You know, if you can make it off your name, it. image, uh, and or yeah. likeness, Animated. go make it. That This isn't a statement about that. Um, but it just seems like every time we think we're going to get centered on the major topic at hand, and again, player health is certainly a big part of that. It just seems like we, we haven't put enough into the fundamental aspect of all this, and that's just doing everything we can to minimize the situation. Uh, it's produced so many different avenues, and I get it again. I get it from the player perspective, the student-athlete perspective, um, the parent perspective. I get it with opt-outs to this point in college football. Uh, but it just seems like the whole thing has been so disjointed, and that's that's what you get with a novel virus. Again, understanding that, you know, that we haven't dealt with anything like this before, so, you know, it's understandable to an extent. But, yeah, I just, you know, the grandstanding and some of this stuff we've seen here in the last couple weeks, you know, that's where it, it starts to to become the burr in my saddle. You and I have
0: pretty much slowed the pot since the pandemic began in March. The Talking Tide podcast has slowed to a pace of about once a month, once every six weeks, I guess. We've probably done three of them since the pandemic began. Uh, but one thing we've said throughout them all, Travis, is we ain't doctors, and I'm not going to get on, and I, you're not either, we're not going to get on and be dispensing medical advice and opinions and whatnot. But, but from a... From a layman's take, which is all I can offer on the situation, it's this at the end of the day. The health risk to me isn't so much on the field, obviously, as it is on campus. I don't think it's it's not the contact between athletes necessarily that that is, is the huge risk. It's the contact with the non-athletes. It's the parties. It's the it's the guy who, who, who decides, okay, I, I can go over to this gathering, 20 people, whatever, brings it back to the locker room. That's where the health concern is, is with the greater population of the students who are going to be coming in. Uh, it was just learned the other day that the University of Alabama is setting aside 450 fully furnished leased apartments for that's gonna be like a COVID unit. Right. So that's the concern from a health standpoint. But from a football standpoint and a protocol standpoint, the threat, Travis, to me by far is the this mandatory fourteen-day quarantine, which is gonna put anybody who's been contract traced out for 14 days. But beyond that, you can't test out of it. Your 14 days is, you're sitting 14, right, no matter how much you test. Whereas in pro sports, a yeah. couple negative tests, you're, you're out of jail.
1: Yeah, we saw that, I think, first with uh, the PGA Tour. Um, you know, that was initially their approach, was that essentially you were out, I guess, 10 to 14 days. But then they followed up with, you know, a situation where for asymptomatic golfers and they were able to retest, you know, within a few days. And then if they had back to back, uh, clear tests, they could, they could get back on the tour in say a week's time instead of missing two events. And, you know, I guess that's not where we're at yet in all this. And really sort of the word that I've come up with to to sum up where we're at is econop, econoptics. It's a combination chase of a, uh, economics and optics and so when you have to try to balance the economic reward and it gets to the point where it doesn't meet up with potentially the poor optics and when I talk about economics I'm not just talking about lost revenues in terms of ticket sales and potential you know, TV deals and things like that I'm talking about the potential for litigation there are so many things that I don't think College sports has covered in terms of that part of it, that that's where as much of the concerns probably coming in for these uh, for these presidents and chancellors of these schools. And, you know, if you're at the MAC conference right now, you know, economics are are what it's all about because you've lost so many of your bye games. With the there power was, five yeah. Teams. When you when UConn so, canned at, it, did you at, see what UConn had left
0: on their schedule when they said we're out of here? They had like five I'm games not, or something. That's all yeah. they had
1: left. So now, so now, if you if you try to play football in the middle of a pandemic, and you don't have the boom from the economic side of it, then the optics are going to be horrific, and that certainly comes into play with academicians and leaders of universities and colleges.
0: There's no doubt. And, and it's, I, 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 you try to be an optimist, but you try to be a realist at the same time. And what I foresee is college football getting started, but I can't, nec- I can't necessarily foresee it finishing on time or on schedule. That, I mean, that
1: they, I, I it's, it, it, it's one of those things for me, Chase, I'll have to bel- I'll have to see that they're not even trying to play before I'll believe it. Uh, now, like you said, am I convinced or optimistic that they'll have a great shot of finishing anything they start? No, but we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in play here, you know. And it's a content year. I've said that many times before. Since all of this started, people talk about well. You know the integrity of the season and the value of a championship. Quit thinking like that. It's not about championships this year. It's about content. It's about providing content to rights holders so you can get paid, and your you, and your and your member schools can get paid. That's all this season's about. So when I hear people talk about, well, you know, you gotta you gotta look at the playoff. You gotta do this. You gotta. Figure, no. If you can get ten games, whatever the number is, Chase, that your rights holders have in, in 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 the contract for you to hit for you to get paid, that's what you're worried about right now. If you're Greg Sankey or if uh, you're any of these Power Five or conference commissioners, that's all this this season's about and, right and, now. It's content.
0: Just playing off of that, if they did, if they decided to try to bump a truncated season into the spring boy, you know those TV networks would wield the weapons and the shields in that negotiation. Um, oh, <laughs> the, 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 oh, yeah. The, the money that the, the TV networks would pay for spring college football minus draft prospects all over the place um, would would be a drop in the bucket compared to what they'd normally pay in the fall, in my opinion. Cause all, cause all that's going to get renegotiated. Well, no if they and, go I to mean, the spring, that's well, they ain't getting fall money in the spring. Yeah. I'm sure. The contracts have got that renegotiated. Pro,
1: yeah, ration. Yeah, proration and things like that, amendments. Um, and, and not in the way that that conferences and and the like would probably prefer it to be, but. No, I mean, if you go to the spring, and, and if it gets to that, we'll, we'll do probably an entire pod on what that means, I'm sure. If you try to do that, I mean, you talk about the talent base at the Power Five level, and how it could be watered down, you know, based on the NFL draft, you know, butting up against a truncated college football season uh, in the spring, so... Uh, you know, it's, it, it's problematic on a, on a multitude of levels to, to think about that. Not so much maybe for the group of fives. You know, group of fives on their own and FCSs on their own in the spring, that could end up being a great thing for them. But if everybody goes to the spring, you know, what does that do? It doesn't do anything for the group of fives because if you're playing, again, an eight to ten game schedule, you're probably just carrying over the conference only format in a couple of three of these leagues and your teams that are counting on those games with the group and with the Power Fives, they're still not going to get We're gonna paid. We're going to squeeze the
0: ticket man in on this conversation real quick, Travis. Uh, I wanted to hit on this with you. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Penn State alert for season ticket holders for Nittany Lions games, but PSU came out with their policy. There
1: are none, uh,
0: and what they've told them was <laughs> that if you, that they'll provide a refund for season ticket holders, but if you accept the refund, you are not guaranteed your same seats in 2021. <laughs> so Travis, essentially, Penn State <laughs> is fans, can I get a refund and <laughs> still sit the same spot? P- PSU. They went Bob's no, Country not. Bunker on sure. of it. No
1: No, uh-uh. no. <laughs> sure, you can get a <laughs> refund, which you can apply to Temple season tickets in 2021 Oof. because you won't have any uh, at Penn that, State. Yeah, that, I bet that, that was happen? received well. Warmly. That, that was warmly Alabama, received. Eh, we haven't heard that yet. The only thing we've really heard from Greg Byrne is that there will be an option for full refunds and partial refunds, but... We didn't hear to you know what some of the conditions could be. Maybe there'll be condition free. You just get your money back and you hold your spot in Tide Pride. But uh, that might be uh, something we don't learn yeah. till later. Not surprisingly, you
0: know? on that list of options for Penn State season ticket holders, the refund was near the bottom. But the number one option, of course, was just go ahead and donate your season ticket money uh, <laughs> to the foundation. <laughs> it's tax deductible.
1: You know that was that was option number one. Yeah, numero uno. Yeah, well, you know, that, that was kind of, yeah, and then the fans at Alabama didn't receive that Sarkazian news too well. Sark's uh, 2.5 per, you know, on the heels of that. But as we know, these extensions and these contract amendments, they're agreed to well before they're formalized in front of the Board of Trustees Compensation Committee. So with, say, Sark and Freddie Roach and these guys, David Ballou, Matt Ray, these are contracts that were agreed upon before the pandemic, and you know now you're you're into them, so Last you got to make them happen.
0: touch on the, the, the pandemic part of the discussion, Travis. Opt-outs for Alabama. What do you foresee there? We've already seen a half a dozen top draft prospects opt out for 2020, starting with Virginia Tech cornerback. Caleb Farley, then it was Rashad Bateman, the outstanding receiver from Minnesota. Micah Parsons, probably the best linebacker in the country at Penn State. Uh, Rondale Moore, the the super uh, dynamo receiver from Purdue. And then finally, I think yesterday, one of those Pitt defensive linemen. It's a great defense, a ton of talent on that defensive yeah. line at Pitt. Uh, Jalen Twyman announces he's going to do it as well. It's gonna, It hadn't happened in the SEC yet. At least, I know the Vanderbilt kickers opting out, but I'm talking about draft picks. That, that, that hadn't <laughs> happened in uh, the SEC yet, but it's coming, Travis, and may, may come to Tuscaloosa. Uh,
1: yeah, that could very well happen uh, within the Southeastern Conference, and in, in that scenario, I, I'd be surprised if Alabama didn't have uh, at least one if not more, uh, sort of take that route as well. And look, what you need to understand is when people hear opt-outs, they think it's going to be all first-round picks or the guys that are going to opt out. And that's largely what we've seen to this point. But I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case. I, I think there's there's young people that are legitimately concerned about this situation, and whether it's because they have fa- family situations that are sort of involved with the COVID-19 situation uh, Pandemic. Uh, it, it, it won't surprise me if it's it's also some some players that you you hear from that that aren't again the higher profile star types that uh, take that route as well. The hardest thing
0: about this, Travis, you you would want at least from a uh, from a competitive standpoint, certainly from a coaching standpoint, you would hope that all this would be at least over and done with by the time the season begins. But no, this is going to be a week to week decision for players. Uh, because uh, if if a guy gets four, five, six weeks into the season, lost a couple of conference games, no championship to play for, I'm gonna I'm gonna get drafted. Yeah. It's it's gonna be see you later for some of those guys mid year.
1: Why not? <laughs> Steve Spurrier did it a few years ago <laughs> at South Carolina, so why Oof. can't the players do it? Sorry yeah. Sorry about <laughs> that. Sorry about that. HBC.
0: Uh, rabbit punch. That one. Rabbit punch.
1: <laughs> Tide. Oh jeez, Anything goes sure. on. Talking Talkin Tide, Tide
0: Podcast know. at Podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you and gonna thank a couple of sponsors really quickly, starting with North River Dental Associates and the outstanding work done by Dr. Jack Smalley. Easy to find, right off McFarland Boulevard at 1100 Fairfax Park. Dr. Jack and his professional staff can do every kind of dental work there is, whether you're looking for porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services, endodontics, you name it. They get it all done over there at North River Dental. The phone number is 752-3506, or you can go online and make an appointment. Routine cleanings. Typically, under an hour over at Dr. Jackson. They do a fantastic job at North River Dental Associates.
1: Absolutely, they do there at North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar. I'm going to take you downtown for a second there in Tuscaloosa. Heat Pizza Bar, longtime sponsor of the Talking Tide podcast. Frank Will, the rest of the staff there, just outstanding. Great people, first and foremost. But then the pizza is out of this world as well. Weekly, weeknightly specials, I guess, is a better way of putting it there. At Heat Pizza Bar, you can give them a call, too, for takeout service. They'll also deliver at 205-632-3282. You're going to have Tuesday night coming up here pretty quickly in the next few days. And I certainly suggest on Tuesdays that Thai Chicken Pizza, which starting at 6 o'clock, goes for... Seven bucks. You can't beat that. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also want to tell you about heading back out towards Northport. Great, great folks there at Southern Alehouse, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Dine-in available to you there at Southern Alehouse. And you can feel good about it because every precaution is being taken by the outstanding staff there at S.A.H. Great menu from which to choose whether you're exceptionally hungry. Maybe you want that meatloaf. My, the meatloaf with that tomato jam on top. It's outstanding. Maybe you want that great burger. You know, it is an outstanding burger there at Southern Ale House. The Yardbird Chicken Sandwich. I've told you many times, you can't go wrong with that. And if maybe you're thinking the lighter side, a full selection of salads as well. They've got a spinach salad with some grilled shrimp on top there. Yeah, you'd like that. Southern Alehouse, 1530, McFarland tide, Full
0: tide, North. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. A little bit to go here on the podcast, but Travis, as promised, at the top of the show, uh, let's hit on a couple of things before we get out of here. One the Alabama football schedule additions that that are uh, that came out this week, and as well, uh, John Petty announces he's going to be back uh, for the Crimson Tide in 2020-21. Uh, starting with the schedule, though, Al- uh, Travis, Alabama adds Kentucky and a road trip to Mizzou. Uh, your thoughts on how Alabama kind of made out as, as the uh, conference announced uh,
1: two additional foes per school. I think, according to Dan Mullen of the University of Florida, Alabama came out just fine. You know, as long as Florida wasn't added to the Alabama schedule, I think the Gators and uh, and Dan were were fine with that. Dan Mullen zero and nine at Mississippi State in games against Nick Saban and Alabama. Um, you know, look, I obviously winnable games. You, you you're very appreciative of what Mark Stoops has gotten done. Uh, a team that is sort of the anti mummy, I guess, Chase, from the air raid days. I mean, Kentucky has actually evolved into a pretty physical football team. Some really good offensive lines here in the recent past. Some formidable defenses under Stoops and that staff. Um, All the credit in the world. But let's face it, Alabama playing Kentucky here in Tuscaloosa, that's a W. Same for going on the road uh, to Missouri in the other game and Eli Drinkwitz in his first season as the head coach there uh, in Columbia. So, you know, it was already a tough schedule for Alabama from an SEC perspective. I was kind of in that group that thought Florida would be almost a given to come on. So it was a little bit of a buzzkill for me when it was Kentucky in Missouri. But again, you still have Tennessee on the road. You still have Georgia in here. You have the SEC West. You don't have anything to apologize for if you're Alabama. But you still feel sorry for, like, Arkansas and Missouri. And you especially feel sorry for those schools, Chase, because they add one of these monstrous home games. And, hell, they're not even going to get the ticket (laughs) revenue or the the tourism. You know, like, their cities, Fayetteville and Columbia, aren't going to benefit a dime. From Alabama and, you know, others coming yeah, on. you're talking about Alabama's like pickups
0: being a buzzkill. What about Eli Drinkwitz's buzzkill? Alabama and a trip oh, to Baton geez. Rouge
1: for you. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh,
0: Arkansas got it tough, too. Arkansas picks up a road trip to Florida and a home game with Georgia.
1: Yeah, I thought also that Texas A&M and uh, – Texas A&M and Tennessee just looked like they were going to add some uh, formidability to those schedules, and it pretty much played out that way, right? Um, And and from what I understand, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt was all that thrilled about adding a road game at Auburn in a home game with A&M to what was already, on paper at least, a a pretty tough Tennessee schedule. A&M, you know, we had talked about A&M before this, and before the conference only approaches, a team that possibly could have rolled into Tuscaloosa at 10 and zero based on its schedule. Well, it goes to Tennessee now and adds a home game with Florida. So, yeah, I would say Tennessee and A&M, when you talk formidable legitimate contenders for the upcoming season, uh, they, they probably took the biggest steps up, but Missouri and Arkansas, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's almost like a, you talk about a free pass for a couple of first-year coaches, Sam Pittman yeah. at Arkansas oh, yeah. and Drinkwitz at Missouri. You're if you're you're, you're not going to be looking to buy them no, out year after two. year one,
0: it's uh it, it. <laughs> no
1: or maybe eight depending on how this stuff goes. And no so. no doubt, hopefully they
0: just play these games. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed, of course. Uh, what about John
1: Petty coming back
0: to that Alabama basketball program, Travis? Your thoughts on what that means to Nate Oates and his staff? Uh, bringing back one of the top scorers in the league on a on a decision that I thought was personally thought was the smart call. What about you? Yeah you, know, it's kind of
1: like yeah, you know it's kind of like football in that it's a little bittersweet right now because if you're an Alabama fan and you really want to see this particular football team have a chance to fulfill its potential because its potential is so great, you know, with the with the players you actually. Uh, kept from the NFL draft back in April, and you know, the, the sort of veteran talent that you have, and uh, those things. I, I look at Alabama basketball the same way, and certainly we anticipate basketball not having quite as many hurdles uh, as we've seen with football. But that's my thing right now when I look at this Alabama team in year two under Nate Oates. I want to see it on the floor, I think it, it's going to be a fun team to watch, but. It's also going to be extremely competitive. The thing you got to remember is Alabama wasn't the only one to benefit from a guy coming back, a couple of guys coming back, Herbert Jones and John Petty. Uh, you saw LSU with some big returnees, smart, Watford, um, days. You look up at Tennessee, uh, Pons comes back, great defensive player, rim protector for the ball. So Isaiah Joe out at Arkansas. So, uh, you know, SEC basketball in general has a chance to be just great in 2020 21. But, you know, you, you 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 start to wonder now, depending on, again, what we hear in this next week, you know, right. what will that even look like for, for maybe basketball moving forward? But on the surface, Chase, you know, what Petty does is you're going to be able to score the basketball, right? I mean, this guy that shoots it at a 40-plus percent clip, from three, or at least he did last season. And, you know, even with Kyra moving on, you're still going to have guys like Quinterly stepping in there, Shackelford coming back. Um, I mean, you've got Primo coming in from the high school ranks. Uh, a lot of talent that they were able to sort of acquire here in this 2020 class. And, again, you just want to see it for yourself. I mean, think about Javon Quinterly right now. I mean, he had to sit out last year on a on a very questionable sort of ruling right. of his waiver coming in from Villanova. This poor guy feels like he's already been cheated out of a year, and now he's 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 having to worry about you know how the hell this pandemic might impact the year that he's eligible Unbelievable. To, to do his yeah, That's thing.
0: a great point. Quinterly's been he's been waiting a long time, watching a lot of basketball. I mean, no doubt, and uh,
1: no doubt. And uh, and I'm telling you, he, he's a guy on the basketball, and that's what you like about potentially this team is that, you know, you've got multiple guys that can play on the ball, and I, I'm telling you, Primo, uh, the six-six freshman, you know, he is the epitome of a combo guard, and so you know that that's a guy that whether or not there's room for him in the starting lineup with Petty, with Shackelford, with Quinterly, uh, you know, maybe they go four guards. Uh, at at times, I I think Primo's a guy that that's gonna, he's gonna qualify for starter minutes. You know, the thing I always told my daughter when she played, you know, here in in college, you know, it was always a big thing about, are you starting? Well, I understand that, you know, the designation means a lot to a kid that's 18 to 22. End of the day, though, are you getting starter minutes? You know, minutes are what matter. And I think Primo is going to be that guy. Regardless. He'd be
0: a big help for sure. And and Petty coming back obviously gives him a guy that can that can drain it from a long range. Petty seems to be so well suited for Oats' system. He doesn't have to handle the ball quite as much because that's mm-hmm. a pro question on on Petty is the handles the turnovers. Um, you know he, he he's not going to beat a ton of guys off the bounce at the NBA level. He, he's going to be a He's going to be a long-distance bomber. That's what he's going to do. That's what he is now. But he's going to be even more so. That's what he'll be at, at the next level. Um, and, and that, you know, you couldn't ask for a better coach than Oates to showcase that. No
1: doubt. No doubt. And I think for him, coming back gives him a chance to validate what NBA people saw During his junior season, because in his freshman and sophomore campaigns, there really wasn't much in the way of consistency. Right. Well, there was a lot more of that uh, this past season. And what he'll have an opportunity to do is uh, legitimize what they saw and, and validate that with with another year that's along those lines. It's going to do it for this better.
0: edition of the Talking Tide Podcast for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Be back soon enough with the Talking Tide Podcast. We'll be ramping it up as uh, uh, practice approaches. August 17th, I think, is the uh, supposed to be the opener for SEC practice and Uh, assuming the season gets warmed up, then the Talking Tide podcast will get warmed up right along with it. It's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you next time.